it, it doesn't stop time or stop aging. It yeah. reverses it. So, um, yeah. How long do the results last? Is it kind of once it's done, it's done? No. no. <laughs> it's yeah it, it doesn't stop time so yeah, right. yeah so if someone's super young then they're still gonna age hey refam i'm kate and welcome back to keeping it real the podcast brave enough to talk about surgery around your eyes well mainly brave enough you'll notice i do get a little squeamish look we've all woken up at some point with giant bags under our eyes maybe from a big night or hay fever and allergies just showing us who's boss, but it's definitely not an uncommon experience. But some people do have really noticeable bags that just never seem to go away and do tend to get worse with age. Some of those patients come to see us for a lower blepharoplasty. In this episode, Richard and Kim explain why under eye bags form as we age, how blepharoplasty can help and in what cases the surgery could actually cause real damage. Um, all right, so welcome. We're going to talk about how to fix bags under the eyes. Obviously, it's something that we all kind of experience for a range of reasons, but surgery wouldn't help those necessarily. Do you have any examples of what those kind of things would be so people don't have to be like freaking out and run into a doctor? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that can cause puffiness or changes around the um, eyelids, um, allergies is probably, and I think you alluded to that with the seasonal things. So, um, allergies, um, if also if someone's had, um, some, a whole bunch of terrible nights of sleep, um, so stress and anxiety can change the, you know, appearance of your face if you're not sleeping well. Um, some people, uh, just have deeper grooves underneath their eyes. That's either, you know, congenital or, um, ethnic so um, definitely Mediterranean backgrounds tend to have a little bit more that darker groove um, along there Um, there's a whole bunch of medical conditions probably none of which I will be able to specifically mention that um, because there's thyroid thyroid, if you did have that as a result of thyroid because I know they're having like kind of like bulgy eyes yeah Yeah. would you if you did like a blepharoplasty on that would that help or you could cause a lot of harm yeah especially if their eye is um yeah if their globe so their actual eyeball is sticking out a little bit is that called proptosis yep um was always on the cover of guinness book of world records there'd always be someone who could like pop their eyes out oh yeah so if you imagine if you if you do anything surgically to reduce their eyelid then they're going to have even less protection of the eye that's already out so yeah if there's any thought that there's underlying medical problems that that'll um (laughs) need to be totally sorted before considering any surgery yeah and then there's obviously there's other you know genetic conditions which we probably could fix you know it's not medical in that way would that extend past just you know my parents had bags under their eyes and their parents, like that's how we all look. Is there like genetic conditions you can get that we would be able to treat with surgery or? Not so much uh, genetic, more hereditary. Yeah, right. So uh, I think <clears throat> as you were sort of saying, it, it it can run in families. So it's not unusual that someone say, oh, you know, I'm starting to look like my mother, mm. that sort of thing. And upper eyelids is a big thing for that as well. So right. uh, you can see some people that are in their 20s and they've got like really hooded upper eyelids yeah. and they're like, yeah, my my dad and my granddad, like they can't yeah. see. They've had to have surgery to of the upper eyelids as well. Yeah, so right. 
And then obviously what we would see people the most for is just natural aging. What actually happens? Like how does aging lead to kind of those bigger under the eye bags? So there's really two components. So there's the skin. Mm -hmm. So the skin, like anywhere else in the body, loses some of its elasticity. Um, And and so it's more uh, lax. There's more of it. Um, And so you get sort of loose skin. But then the underlying structures also get uh, they drop. So your your this may what's called a malar fat pad. Mm-hmm. So a youthful cheek has sort of fullness up here, <clears throat> as I'm demonstrating on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Full cheek. <So. laughs> uh, and you know, and where so, you see, that's where you see people that have had it over injected. So that, that, that yeah. but that is what oh, he's talking about right. for people that don't have visuals here, like um, chipmunk cheeks. Yeah, so um, so this is a fat pad here. Mm-hmm. So as as you age, this drops, which is what causes this groove here. But there's an overlap. There's some fat behind, sort of a supportive structure in the globe, um, and so that supportive structure also bulges. So that gives you. Sorry for those of you listening, but go to the YouTube and check <laughs> it out. Um, that gives you that bulge here. But there's a bit of an overlap. So you got the the septum and the orbital fat there and the lower fat the cheek fat is sort of they sort of overlap so in a very youthful cheek uh, eyelid you've got a very very small eyelid Mm -hmm. virtually no eyelid but then as this drops down this gets revealed Uh okay and then you get that groove in between them right and so what so so sometimes in a lower lower blepharoplasty you're you're not only treating the skin but also that septum so mm-hmm. that that fat, and you sort of want to um, smooth that transition between oh, <coughs> the lid okay. and the cheek. I get you. So you don't yeah. have that that groove. Yeah. In early stages of what Richard's talking about, so the lower eyelid kind of bulges a little bit, and then there's a groove. If there's a relatively uh, not a super deep groove, mm-hmm. um, that's when your non-surgical things, not your cold teaspoons, but so some uh, filler injectable can actually help a little bit with um, filling in that that yeah, little okay. groove there. Yeah. Tricky so, area though. Mm, so yeah, that, yeah, that's that an sounds, area. So, I mean, there's injectables and there's injectables. So sort of anti-wrinkles, relatively straightforward. Some fillers in the lips done properly, fairly straightforward. Uh, filler in that area is um, much trickier. That's mm. that's where you want to be seeing someone like Lisa um, for a couple of reasons. One, there are, there's some blood vessels there, so you can get into trouble with blocking a, a blood vessel and causing skin necrosis. Um, but secondly, if you go too superficial, you get what's called a Teldane effect, Tildane, Tildane, where sort of some of the gel, the the injectable, gives a sort of a bluish uh, hue that you can see through the skin. Um, Don't you also go blind? Yeah, I was going to say it's more. That's another. It's, little <laughs> <laughs> it's less that where the, it goes into the blood vessel to the skin. It's more where it goes into the blood vessel to the to me, and she eye. got like was getting lip filler or whatever, and she was like, "Do you know that you can go blind?" Like if mm-hmm. they miss, it goes all the way up. You can yeah. go blind. And well, I was like, I bet. Pretty, very hard from yeah. there. But, um, <clears throat> you know, that's one of the, the major risks. And that's a that's a surgical emergency to um, if that happens. That obviously can't 
kind of be reversed with eye drops or like pressing cold teaspoons under your eyes. The cold teaspoons. Yeah, like. that one a little better. Be every morning. Depends how <laughs> So what's actually, what happens in the blepharoplasty? So in you need to treat those two areas. Mm-hmm. So if they're, depending on what the problem is. Uh, there's And there's sometimes even a third. So there's looseness actually of that lower eyelid. So uh, for those playing at home, if you pull the skin off your eye and let it snap back, a youthful lower <laughs> eyelid will snap straight back. Is that called the snap test? It is called. <laughs> <laughs> um, after Alfred snap, I believe. Um, uh, That's so, not true. So you might <laughs> – spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, so you sometimes need to um, correct the support of the lower eyelid. Then if there's loose skin, then you would trim some of the skin. Um, and then if there's bulging fat, uh, then you need to do something to dress that. And often the three of them are done through separate incisions. So oh. the tightening would be done. Some, sometimes you can combine that with that lower eyelid. Yeah. Um, but the skin is usually a scar just below the lower eyelid. Uh, but addressing the fat, I would typically do that through the – inside of the lower eyelid. And what, what do you mean by what you're addressing it? Uh, l- releasing. Um, squeeze it out? Like what do you mm, do? Yeah. So, kind of. <laughs> so you release that. Uh, you dissect in front of that membrane and then release it so that the fat isn't contained and bulging mm-hmm. so that it, it has a smoother transition yeah. to the chest. You actually chair. do. You, you release it and spread it out to where that groove is. So where so we were talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Sometimes you can take fat out, but usually it's a. Yeah, you can actually just redist- redistribute it. Yeah. Instead of we, we were talking about putting the filler into that groove, you can yeah. spread that fat into the groove int- internally. So how long would that? How long does it take? That operation? Yeah. Uh, like those, those three, if you did all three. Yeah, like an, an hour maybe each side even. Yeah. Mm. Right near the eye. <laughs> no, no, no. The, reason, the reason you treat them separately is there's a layer in between and you want to preserve that because you don't because that's providing some support to the lower eyelid right um so previously people sort of used to do all of that through the one incision mm-hmm. um but in my view and people still do but in my, in my view you're losing some of the support of the lower eyelid and then you've kind of got to correct that right um so it's better just to leave it and, and approach there's there's three layers so you just leave that middle layer intact it's so crazy. Just yeah, it's like, just it's a like tiny a little spot. Yeah. So, do people often come for like lower and upper? Yeah. Right. Yeah, fairly common. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, combination: a third, a third, a third, third or upper, third or lower, third or both. Would you do it at the same time? Yeah. Yes. Uh, the oh, upper yeah. is a is a, a little bit less tricky in terms mm. of. The, all the different layers, um, if someone has a droopy upper eyelid, then that's a bit more um, Complex. internal work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, most of the time it's really just there's excess skin there. So it's often removing right. the excess skin on the upper lid. And the other thing you have to factor into is the, where the eyebrow is because if, if it's a brow problem mm. and you're taking out too much upper eyelid skin, then – you know, you do need to kind of see where the eyebrows are sitting to make sure. but Because it would drop with that, that skin under there. Well, if, if that's the cause of the problem. Right. Like if you if you kind of pull up the eyebrows, not ridiculously so, um, 
and if it fixed the upper eyelid problem, then it's more of a brow issue than an eyelid issue. Right. So what are some other non-invasive things besides filler? For for brow, you can do no. like a tiny <laughs> bit of Botox, a tiny bit of anti-wrinkle injection yeah. around the corners. It like a millimetre. Right. It's not it, – And for all of those, they have to be like really, really minor. Is that right? Mm. For anti for non surgical, yeah, uh, yeah, generally minor. And do you think what's kind of the threshold for people? Like, if do people ever come to you and you're like, mate, you do not need a blepharoplasty? Like, oh, like any operation, yeah, sure. I've yeah. definitely said that in the past. It's yeah. like you know, it's not, it's not bad enough, and to go through the, you know, it's always a risk benefit. Um, and is there like know, a tangible threshold get, or is it just a, like you really. look at them and you're like, yeah. that ain't it? Yeah, I mean with every operation you, you're always weighing up risk over benefit. If mm. if the risk outweighs the benefit, then it's mm. uh, it's a no. Mm-hmm. And especially like young young people, like you don't want to be jumping in early days. Yeah. You know, someone in their 20s and doing lower eyelid surgery because you know, then they're signing themselves. It, it doesn't stop time will stop aging it yeah. reverses it so um yeah how long do the results last is it kind of once it's done it's done no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was the universal no, very in sync you know it's yeah it, it doesn't stop time so yeah, right. yeah so if someone's super young then they're still gonna age and yeah. um you know things that make skin worse sun exposure um, smoking probably the biggest things and being um, underweight I think probably makes his skin looser and yeah, right. saggier. Um, so you know, sunscreen, sunglasses, stay avoid and uh, don't smoke. What are risks of a bleph? Uh, so all the sort of standard things, so bleeding, wound healing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, infection, all pretty uncommon. Uh, it's an area that heals very well. Obviously, there will be a scar. One of the big things with both of them is to be conservative and not take out too much skin. Mm. Okay, so problem with taking out too much skin is you'll call for the lower eyelid, you'd cause what, what's called ectropion, where, where the lower eyelid pulls down. Mm-hmm. Um, in the upper eyelid, if you take out too much skin, uh, you they won't can't, be close to, your eyes. can't close your eyes. Um, it's like eyes are popping out so of every conversation we have. I just get worse and worse. What would you do if with that? Like, would you have to do a skin graft? Uh, yeah. Well, traditionally, people used to the skin that they plastic surgeons the skin they took out. Oh they leave it in the fridge, so in the hospital, and so that if the patient woke up and they couldn't close their eyes, they would graft that their own skin okay. from their eyelids back into their eyelids now i've never actually heard i've never heard of anyone doing it and skin's pretty stretchy like unless you would like stitch the eyelashes to the eyebrow like it might be that they have to put drops in for a few weeks or it maybe even tape their eye at night time but like it's gonna the it's gonna get there (laughs) i've never heard of anyone no but that's so i mean certainly um it it can be a problem i've never had to deal with it but, um, yeah, you would have to skin graft it if, if you couldn't. Is that where the nipple goes, like in a breast reduction? Does it go in a fridge in the theatre? No, you put oh, it straight It on. just sits. No, but, you know. Yeah, no, it sits. It just sits there. Okay. No fridge. <laughs> I'm just no, like, no, I wonder where no. else the fridge goes. <laughs> what else goes in the fridge? <laughs> yeah. We don't put 
any body parts in the fridge, just, you know, as an aside. Not, <laughs> oh. Not in the fridge at work or the hospital or our staff at home. <laughs> um, what are the risks? Uh, anytime you're operating, operating in the eye, small, small risk of blindness. Mm-hmm. But um, it depends a little bit on the technique as to how much of a risk that might be. Um, you can get corneal abrasions, so just from being around the eye, um, the, the prep you use or maybe a gauze, you can um, scratch the cornea, which then has to heal but can be quite painful and irritating. You might need some antibiotic drops or numbing drops to, to get through that period. Um, again, depending on the, the technique, double vision. All of these are very uncommon. Yeah. Um, asymmetry because you're asymmetry. doing two different yeah. sides. Oh, quite. Most body, bodies are not. Perfectly symmetrical, but With, I know that the upper um, the scars hidden really well in mm. the eye line. What about the lower? Is it so? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not as hidden. Obviously, over the years. So tr- when I when I was training, the the trend was to put it as close to the lower eyelid uh, as possible. Mm. But when you've got a scar on the lower eyelid, that in itself could cause ectropion. Also, issues with. Um, uh, eyelash hair loss so you lose eyelashes um and it tends to be such a good scar that um i i've been putting it lower and lower over the years because it's just a it's a much safer approach mm-hmm. and the scar just doesn't seem to bother people yeah right. and you got to imagine that the people that are having this surgery that they've got kind of loose slightly yeah. lined wrinkly skin like i keep looking at how perfect your lower eyes are and then you, you know like if you're going to put a scar on your lower eyelid, like you, you see, do not need yeah. that operation. You would see that a lot well, more. <laughs> but I'll circle back. But also, I'm looking at. I can see the corner of your eyelid. But whereas, you know, Richard or me, if we were to have a scar, that you're going to see it a Get lot out. less. So, <laughs> Zoom in on the videos, If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.